Tappers, what's up? It is the Thursday edition of the Daily Tap for March the 4th. Hope everybody's doing well, getting closer to the weekend. We are getting conference tournaments cooking up. We had the last week of college basketball. It's been awesome. Been a lot of fun. Um, We're not talking college hoops today. We're going to be talking about Aaron Jones and the franchise tag and why if you tag Aaron Jones, this could mean the end of Aaron Rodgers. I'll explain what I mean because I'm sure you're like, wow, clickbait. I'm mean, That's the title of the podcast. You're like, wow, Charlie, you're really trying to get those listens. You're really trying to get those those clicks. Okay, Skip Trichler. Okay, oh, government name. I don't usually do that. <laughs> okay, Charlie Bayless, uh, whatever. Charlie Bayless, not a bad not a bad name. But anyways, can't believe I just dropped my government name out of there. Most people know who I am, but some people might not. Um Anywho, it doesn't matter. Um, and then we will talk about the Brewers spring training. Uh, we'll call it snow tap spring. I, I got to have like a neg. This is like a segment because there's just a lot of spring training stuff that comes by. I don't think it's like something we need to talk about every day. But like spring training news and notes is just basic as fuck. So let's come up with a new name. We'll figure it out. And then ticket story time. First ever ticket story time about the experience I had at the Bruce Springsteen concert at the Bradley Center five years ago. All right, let's get into it. Let's start with Aaron Jones and the franchise tag. The franchise tag is a hot topic of conversation with a lot of Packer fans right now. I feel like if you were to do a poll of Packer fans across the across the state of Wisconsin, I think it would be 50-50 at who would actually go for the franchise tag for Aaron Jones and who would not? I think there are a lot of people who are, I wouldn't even say reasonable Packer fans. I don't want to talk down to those who want the franchise tag, but I think there are those who look at the franchise tag and say, all right, this guy doesn't want to be here. He does because we're not going to pay him the money that he wants. And that Jones thinks that on the open market, he can get, 13 or 14 million dollars and green bay is pretty committed to saying we're going to give you 12 million dollars we're going to give you 11 million dollars we are going to give you the deals that derrick henry got we're going to give you the deals that joe mixon got and you're not getting a cent more i think that has pissed aaron jones off let's also remember aaron jones has drew rosenhaus as his agent drew rosenhaus is a snake drew rosenhaus is not afraid of a lockout He's not afraid of a holdout, not a lockout, but he's not afraid of a, lo- a holdout at all. Like he, you know, we've saw it with Terrell Owens for how many months, the sit-ups in the parking lot, like there, Aaron Jones will hold out. Aaron Jones will sit out the season. He doesn't care. Like he had a new kid. I don't know. I, Aaron Jones doesn't seem like a guy who'd hold out for a full year, but who knows? I don't know. I don't know what that guy looks like. I don't know who that guy is, right? I don't think it has anything to do with their personality. I think it has everything to do with what they think they're owed and will they cave and will they just say, all right, I'm going to take the money. I don't know what kind of guy Jones is. But I do think the franchise tag would drive him crazy. I don't think he would immediately report. I think he would just kind of scoff at it and sort of say, all right, well, I guess I'm tagged for yet another year. And him as a running back looks at it like it could be all be over. Now, the if Aaron Jones does get overpaid by somebody, I will probably point out the next day on the podcast, like, look, Aaron Jones has had a lot of injuries. Aaron Jones 
could be the Malcolm Brogdon of the Green Bay Packers, where a lot of people wanted Malcolm Brogdon to stay. People still talk about Malcolm Brogdon to stay. It's been fucking three years ago, but people still talk about it. Yet, Milwaukee knew that Malcolm Brogdon was a banged-up dude. And now I know he hasn't had a lot of serious injuries this year, thank God, but he's had some injuries with Indiana. And the Bucks did not want to deal with that with what they were paying him. And I also... Go back to it that Malcolm Brogdon was a specific type of player because he did not want to be there at all in Milwaukee. He did not like the city of Milwaukee. I don't know if that's the same with Aaron Jones. I don't know how Aaron Jones feels about Green Bay, but it seems like he has a better relationship than Brogdon did with the community around Milwaukee. But yeah, if so Aaron Jones holds out, but if you sign Aaron Jones and you get the deal done and you say, all right, we are able to... Aaron Jones and the Packers agree to a five-year, $60 million. That'd be a lot of money. That'd be too much money. Um, but let's just, for because that's quick math, $12.5 million. Yes, your boy doesn't want to do fast math without a calculator. It's okay. I wasn't a math major. I do things that don't involve a lot of math. Actually, I don't, I don't take that back. But the, it's not important. But if Aaron Jones gets a fat contract from the Green Bay Packers, And that means that Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are in that backfield. They are thunder. They are lightning. How do the carries work? How is it going to be? Is it going to be running back committee? It's kind of odd that you would be giving all this money to a running back and then say, oh, hey, by the way, we're going to still keep about 12 of your carries to A.J. Dillon. Those are going to go to A.J. Dillon. You'll get the rest of them. I hope that's okay with you. I can't imagine that will sit well with Aaron Jones. But if they tell Aaron Jones, hey, look, we're going to sign you. It's going to be like this for another year. And then we're probably going to look to the young kid. And we want you then to be the bell cow. And we'll rely on Dylan more too. But the reason we keep bo- kept both of you is to make Jordan Love's life easier. And that is exactly why I think the Packers would bring back Aaron Jones. The only reason they would bring back Aaron Jones is if they believe Aaron Rodgers is not going to be the quarterback of the future for the Packers. Because it's a lot easier for Jordan Love to have two really talented running backs behind him. And that would immediately help Love with the transition. Because it would not be easy if Green Bay, we'd basically be living in 2008 all over again. Where everybody hated Aaron Rodgers, Gus. Now, I don't know if it would be different today, and we could maybe do that as another Snowtap WI what if. I've, I know I've promised you this segment for a few different things. It will happen. You just got to get slow days. Like, this is technically a slow day, but there is enough content here that I, I'm not really out of it. So, when there are slow days, I will start to pump out this content for you. Don't, don't you worry. I will start working on this content. But back to what we're talking about with Jordan Love, Aaron Rodgers, or, and Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon is that it would make no, maybe a no-brainer to have a guy like Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon in that backfield because that immediately be, makes Jordan Love a little bit better just right out the gate. At least you can say, well, he has Devontae Adams, he has Aaron Jones, he has A.J. Dillon, like he has weapons. Maybe he has Robert Tanyan, I don't know. Maybe Josiah DeGuro becomes something, and then he has that weapon. He has David Bakhtiari protecting him. I don't think Corey Lindsley's back. That was nice 
of Brian Gunacus to say, but I, I really have a hard time with that. I talked about that yesterday. We don't need to revisit it. So Jordan Love would have the pieces to succeed right out the box. And Matt LaFleur, before coming to Green Bay, was a run-first coach. Now that got overblown a little bit because he had Derrick Henry, but if he had a young quarterback like a Jordan Love, I feel like you could see a lot of those Derrick Henry offenses come back into play with having Jones and Dylan in the backfield. But if you're going to keep Aaron Rodgers, if Aaron Rodgers is going to stay your quarterback for a long time, then there is no sense to bring back Aaron Jones. It's because he he just won't get the carries that he wants. And I don't know, they can spend their money elsewhere and not spend it on a guy like Aaron Jones. And it, and I know that you're like, God, Charlie, that's crazy that you're shitting on Aaron Jones. I'm not. I'm just, I feel like there are more positions of need. I feel like you can get Aaron Jones' replacement in the draft. I don't know if you can get Aaron, you can get Kevin King's replacement in the draft and have an impact right away, such like a Jair Alexander did, or that you can draft him at a linebacker and he's starting day one. So that's why I think it's, it's more important to go look in the free agency for those kind of guys or a tackle to protect David Bakhtiari as he works his way back from injury. So that that's more important than Aaron Jones because you have A.J. Dillon. And some people don't think A.J. Dillon's ready. And look, I get it. But how many fucking times have we seen the Green Bay Packers in year two of a guy guy's career that they're like, all right, we're pulling off the ripcord and you are going out there. That'll probably happen again with A.J. Dillon, and we'll see how he does with it. Usually, um, when you tape a podcast late, it's never it's never a good thing, right? Like, it's never something that you're kind of looking forward to. Um, but I was running out of gas late yesterday. Um, I taped the Aaron Jones thing um, on last night. So it's like you're going to maybe hear my voice change. Like, you're going to be like, wow, this is weird, like kind of sound a little more energetic it's like yeah i've had a coffee or two already but that's why and i i was like all right well i gotta you know i'll just tape the rest of this tomorrow morning before i go to the gym and usually when that happens it's like i gotta do this again whatever and like you're just kind of frustrated about it and then there are other days where the brewers sign jackie bradley jr and that is incredible. So the Jackie Bradley Jr. part will not be in the sto- in the intro, but it will be here because the Milwaukee Brewers decide to Jackie Bradley Jr. joins the team on a two-year, $24 million deal. It is very interesting for the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, Ken Rosenthal has, or the reporter was, uh, Julian Mack was the reporter, so give him credit. I know that's big in the baseball world. But Rosenthal today, uh, just as I was logging on to tape this, was like, well, the DH, the universal DH seems dead. So what are the Brewers going to do with all four of their outfielders? That is a very good question. I don't think anyone knows just yet. Now, when Jackie Bradley Jr. was rumored a couple weeks ago, um, I mentioned how my father calls Craig Council the Alchemix and believes that Craig Council knows how to move guys in and out of lineups. And he could be just doing a full-ass platoon with the combination of Lorenzo Cain, Avisail Garcia, 
and Jackie Bradley Jr. and talking to all these guys and saying, "Look, we are going to give you time off. We will ride you if you're hitting if you're a hot hitter and we're going to let you we're going to let you go, but this thing is going to be we're going to rotate everybody and we're just going to keep this going all year." It could be that Lorenzo Cain is taking a step back. Could be that they looked at Lorenzo Cain thus far in in the in the spring training and were like, you know what, he's more of a fourth outfielder at this point than he is a starting center fielder. I don't know that. Um, we'll obviously have to wait to see what David Stern says. But the Brewers now have an embarrassment of riches in the outfield position. It is incredible that what the Brewers have for their outfield. I am just stunned right now like it is so good and even if you replace Bradley for Kane and you say all right Jackie Bradley Jr. is going to be your outfielder in center you have a gold glover in him you have a gold glover in Christian Yelich you have a gold glover in Colton Long and if you add Lorenzo Kane in that defense and Avisail Garcia then heads to the bench then you have another gold glover. So you have gold, you have an entire gold glove outfield. And this kind of plays into Craig Council the other day said he thought his pitching staff was the best the Brewers have ever had. Now, this is high praise considering the fact the Brewers have been to the playoffs the last two years. Or three years, excuse me. The last year, you kind of forget about it. But anyways, you had a pitching staff that won a division two, three years ago. And then you had a pitching staff that got them to the playoffs the year prior. So if they think that this defense is the best, or they think this pitching staff's the best, why not make the defense the best? Why not just try to limit as many runs as you can? And it's going to be very hard to score against the Brewers. And the Brewers are going to make it hell for every opposing team. And that is awesome. That's not exactly how we're doing baseball these days. We're all about the home run. We're all about the big offense. But it's very Tampa Bay Rays-ish. And I know that kind of makes people cold, right? Because the Rays are just, what are what are the Rays? I mean, they went to the World Series, right? But they don't really have those notable guys. They don't really have that sort of, I don't know, that oomph. I think it's the stadium more than anything else, if, you're, if we're being honest. But that's kind of what the Brewers are doing here. And I look at it and you're saying, how do you contend? How do you contend with San Diego and Los Angeles who have some of the best offenses in baseball? Really good pitching and really good defense. The Brewers can't fight fire with fire. They can't just go in there and say, all right, we're going to put our dicks down on the table and we're going to have just as good of an offense as you as these two teams who are spending outrageous amounts of money. It's just not going to happen. So guess what the Brewers do instead? They say, all right, we're going to load up on defense. How do you like them fucking apples? And I'm in for it. I'm ready. I'm ready for the Brewers to sort of have this offense, this defense, and this pitching staff that will basically make sure the Brewers aren't allowing that many runs. And Jackie Bradley Jr. immediately gives your offense a little bit of a push. And I, he's not as, you know, average-wise not great, but he hits home runs. And he's going to like that short porch in, in right field at Miller Park. 
And and who knows? Maybe the Brewers can work on his average. He's not really a guy who hits for average, but he, he can get he can get some power out there, and he does get on base. So again, sounds very David Stearns like. The other question here, obviously, could be: Are the Brewers going to make a trade? Are the Brewers going to make a deal here with one of their guys? So I think the obvious one would be Avisail Garcia, right? Would they be potentially looking at? Packaging, and I'm, I'm like, I'm just talking hypothetical. So I have no idea. I have no inside information. But could they be looking at doing a deal for Avisail Garcia and maybe Orlando Arcia and maybe a prospect or two and getting a third baseman? And that that's what they're kind of the plan. And I like Avisail Garcia. I mean, he lost 36 pounds. Like, the guy is ready to play. I would think that it would be kind of be maybe a bit of an overreaction from last season, but maybe, maybe not, right? Maybe they just say, all right, we think that this will give us the best chance to win. And oh, by the way, we're going to also add a third baseman to replace the production of Garcia because we're kind of left cold with what we're doing at third base. And the only way we can get a good third baseman is is by making a trade and helping them in the outfield. We've seen this before, right? Like we've seen David Stearns make one move and then the next move comes very quickly after it. So I will not put it past David Stearns to do something like this. I don't think it's Lorenzo Cain's retiring or anything like that or he's opting out again. I would be really surprised. Cain's comments do not seem to be of, of that ilk. I do think Ryan Braun's done. Um, that really sucks, um, right? Like, I, obviously, I'm a huge Ryan Braun guy. You guys know that. And it, it sucks that Ryan Braun's probably not going to be a part of the Milwaukee Brewers any longer, um, which it's it, that's a longer discussion when it's official versus uh, what we're doing right now. But we're just going to have to see. And I know people are going to ask a lot of questions. And it's okay. It's okay to not know everything. I I, I do want to yeah. Let's let's end there. I'm gonna we're gonna do some brewer some more brewer stuff tomorrow because I had a bunch of brewer things and they just got punted. Like I just punted them entirely out of this mix. But let me let's finish with this. It's okay not to know everything right now. All right. Like I know that us as fans are like I want it now. Like I want you to tell me exactly what you're doing. I, I had a friend the other day who thought the Packers don't actually try to get free agents. And I was like, and I, I try to be really nice about it. And he doesn't listen, so I, I don't give a fuck. But it's like, that was such broken brain knowledge. Like, how, like, I, it just broke my brain. Like, do you think the back, like, do you think Brian Gunacus just sits on his ass and does nothing and throws around a, a toy football and is like, ah, you know what? I'm not going to sign anybody. It's okay. No, of course not. Of course he talks to guys. It's hard to get guys to sign in Green Bay. But because we don't know what they're doing at all times, we don't have a live cam. We're not watching them like fucking bears in the wildlife. We, we, we don't know. We don't have that information. So for us to be like, well, what's David Stern's going to do? How are they going to do this? Well, spring train, we're, we're, uh, 30, what, 27 days, 28 days to opening day, there's a lot of time for the Brewers to figure this shit out. 
And Craig Council is a guy who's up for the challenge. In in a lot of ways, I think Craig Council would has wood probably today because he's like, all right, I get to fuck around with lineups all the time. Great. Let me do it. And if the Brewers decide, hey, we want to make a move, because what? They're left they're unsatisfied with third base, or they're maybe even unsatisfied with first base. I don't know. I mean, maybe Keston Hero, they're just like, all right, we Keston Hero can't be on our on our roster. I think that'd be a terrible mistake unless you're getting a guy like Jose Ramirez. And look, if this is a prelude to Jose Ramirez, I mean, I don't want to do that to myself. I can't, I I just, I can't do that to myself because that, that would be pretty, pretty insane. Um, But we'll see what happens, right? We'll just sort of just go on. Um, Brewers, I think are pushing themselves further and further away from the competition in the NL Central, which makes me really happy. And I think that I can apologize to David Stearns. I think I already did when Colton Wong happened, but there's a, there's a few podcasts here about a month ago where I was ragging on David Stearns and like, what are you fucking doing? Like, why haven't why haven't any moves been done since that podcast? They've they've added Colton Wong and they've added Jackie Bradley Jr. Not saying that I was the reason that this happened, but I, I am kind of saying it's the reason what happened. So. No, no need to thank me. No need to thank me for motivating David Stearns. But yes, that did in fact happen. All right, let's wrap up the show with ticket story time, and then we'll we'll bounce out of here and be back for Friday's show. Um, likely talking the Bucks. Um, maybe maybe a Chuck's corner. I don't know if I have any Chuck's corners, but we'll we'll see. And then obviously, I, I have a bunch of other Brewer stuff that we can talk about on Friday as well. So I was reminded via Facebook. That uh, five years ago, my fiance and I went to see Bruce Springsteen. We saw him, we saw him with her family. Um, we all got tickets. Um, it was in the upper deck of the Bradley Center. It was the I'm trying to think. It I had already seen a few concerts at the Bradley Center because of work, um, but I hadn't seen many. Um, now, the Bradley Center had a knock that the acoustics in there are never that good. That was one of the big problems with seeing a concert. At the Bradley Center, that the the Bradley Center was just not built for concerts. And but my opportunity to go see Bruce Springsteen was something I definitely wanted to take advantage of, especially because I sort of dropped my opportunity when I was in college. One of the worst decisions I made was right after um, I don't remember the year. Um, it, I was twenty one at the time. I was definitely over twenty one. But I had an opportunity to go with my guy Doze and his brothers to go down to Wrigley to see Bruce Springsteen. And I think tickets were only like $45 or $50. They were ridiculously cheap for what they are today. But it was, you know, fucking 10 years ago, right? It was, or 12 years ago. It might have been longer. So, but it was like $45, $55. And I, for some reason, thought my ass can't afford this. And I am such an idiot. There have been a few times in my life where I've just been too frugal at the moment and just wish I would have done the experience there and worried about it later. And that was one of those examples. Now, I've had the good example. I think I've told the Bonnaroo, not going to Bonnaroo story. If I haven't, I can find that for another time. But 
So I should have went to go see him at, at Wrigley Field. I think that would have been an awesome experience. From all they had said, I remember that summer, they were like, it was incredible. It was such a good time. You know, I think I was also worried a little bit about the weather because I think it was right around Memorial Day, which is always unpredictable. But yeah, not seeing Bruce at Wrigley Field was a big mistake on my behalf. That said, I redeemed myself by going to his show in Milwaukee. Now, in that concert theme, he was playing the entire uh, album of, of The River. And it was a pretty awesome show. And it, you thought, all right, he's just gonna play the—he's just gonna play the the album, and then it's gonna be like peace out. The guy played for three and a half fucking hours. He played basically two concerts. He played the river, and then he just played a plethora of his hits for another hour. It was incredible. It was absolutely phenomenal, of in terms of just the experience. And you wonder how this guy can't like go to the bathroom because it's like three and a half hours of just straight music and just awesome Springsteen songs and playing pretty much everything that you want to hear. I probably could pull up that set list, but it was it was one of those things where every song that you wanted to hear from Bruce Springsteen, you heard that night. And I think for those who... If you went to that concert and you knew Bruce Springsteen, but you didn't actually know him, that that was an intro to why everybody loves him and why people go to his concerts and why he's so popular. I would say he's arguably one of the most popular artists we have in America. It might be, I don't know if he'd, I'd say he's the, but he's way up there. He is definitely in the top five. And yeah, it's 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 an incredible show. It's an incredible thing to watch. And he, I mean, the band is great. Now, big man, obviously not, not there, but Steve Van Zant, you know, killing it. And they, it was just, it was really a fun, fun show. And so I, I would definitely go see him again. I think tickets would be much more expensive. I, I would kill for a con, any concert really. Um, but definitely someone I'd worth seeing again. Now, for those who wondered, my Mount Rushmore of Bruce Springsteen sounds songs. Now, will they sound make me sound like a basic bitch? Yeah, a little bit, but that's okay. It's okay. In no order, here are my here are my four favorite Bruce Springsteen songs. The Badlands is is just awesome. The way the Badlands starts is great. Like throwing that on in the car and just hitting your steering wheel and badlands like it's great it's it's just fantastic the river um it's definitely tied to my friend doze and i singing that together drunk off our asses after a night out in ripon it's a super depressing song and you're like why would you guys play that at 3 30 at night in the dark at ripon college i don't know Um, I can't really make sense of that, but we did it and it was a good ass time. Thunder Road, classic, right? Like, I don't think you need to, you need anything to explain Thunder Road. And lastly, 10th Avenue phrase out. And again, another one where the Perolsky family, um, I shouldn't, another last name mention. I'm sorry. Uh, Nick, Nick and his family, uh, we were at a Brewer Cubs opening day years ago and we just kept playing that song. 
just over and over again. His brother Kyle just kept playing uh, that, and it was kind of my intro to Springsteen at that time. And it was it was years ago, and kind of started getting me into it. And thank him for that. So yeah, that is Ticket Story Time. That is the podcast for today. We will be back tomorrow for the Friday show. Excited to talk to you then. Have a good one, Tappers.